The Pittsburgh Steelers got uh, their second win in a row, their first winning streak of the season in a win over the Falcons. But in doing so, some unconventional stuff in the passing attack. It was the tight ends that saved the day while the wide receivers struggled. We'll break down why that was and the kind of the fallout that we saw from Ray Fittipato, who was on hand in Atlanta for the win. Also, got to talk about the defense, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the not-so-ugly, and where the Steelers stand at 5-7, and seven, looking the rest of the way. I'm Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Ray Fittipato, also of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and this is the North Shore Drive Podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipaldo. And we are of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Breaking things down for you on our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes. It's a victory Monday here in Pittsburgh. Um, and as always, today's episode is brought to you by the Accresure Fan Advantage, the power to project one of our post-gazette Steelers beat writers into your home or office by using augmented reality. You can get an exclusive pregame breakdown from a Steelers expert standing right in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at postdeskgazette.com slash Accresure Fan Advantage. No apps or downloads, just insider access to Steelers updates at postdeskgazette.com slash Accresure Fan Advantage and get a real edge on this week's action. As I said before, I was joined by Ray Fittipaldo. Ray is back from Atlanta he tried. He traversed safely to the city of to the uh, to the city of Pittsburgh. How you doing, Ray? Good, Chris. What's going on? One of the few direct flights of the season. You gotta love that. <laughs> That's gotta be nice. He, and he's sporting Holy Cross on his head with the with the cap there. But Ray, let's talk about this win for the Steelers. Uh, it was nineteen sixteen. It wasn't pretty, but they found a way to get it done. Um, and I, I thought it was very interesting. Kenny Pickett had a good day. He, it wasn't a great day, but he was efficient with when he was asked to throw the ball, and it was the tight end that he connected with more, not his receivers. Pat Frymuth with a 57-yard catch and run that was very impressive. Connor Hayward catching his first-ever NFL touchdown pass. Really good showings for, from them, while Deontay Johnson, more drops, almost a fumble that was overturned and called a drop. Uh, George Pickens, only two targets. He seemed visibly frustrated, wouldn't talk to you guys after the game. What was your sense that led to the tight end's success in this game? Well, Chris, I mean, everyone's been complaining all season about how the Steelers don't attack the middle of the field. I actually view this as somewhat of a positive development. You know, we'll we'll get to the receivers and their lack of production in, in a second. But Pat Fryermuth, once again, um, the leading receiver um, uh, in that game against the Falcons, I think he's been really good. I, I think – you know, we've talked about it uh, from time to time on the show. I feel like he's one of the top seven or ten, ten tight ends in the NFL, and he just continues to get better and better. Only year two. Um, and Connor Hayward, Chris, did, did you see that pattern? That was a heck of a yeah, route by Connor it was Hayward. A, it was a heck of a route. It, and honestly, Ray, it, it reminded me of the, the play in the Bengals game when they first got the T.J. Watt interception. Pickett goes to Gentry, who's triple covered, but Connor Hayward had broke wide open, and I was right. like, man, if he throws it there, I think that was a bit of an adjustment on Kenny's part to know, hey, if I got Connor going vertical, I can trust him to make that play. Yeah. And I know you were up at training camp uh, probably as much as I was, and uh, mm -hmm. that connection, we saw it for the first time on Sunday, you know, for, for real. But we saw plays like that throughout training camp. Kenny and Pickett are really close. 
and they're developing better chemistry on the field. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's been a little bit of an uptick in Connor's snaps here since the bye week. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's becoming a bigger part of this passing game. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. Now, what does that mean for the receivers? Um, now, Chris, you know, 19 points. This offense is not going to be a dangerous offense. It's no. going to put up 27, 30, 35 points unless you start getting production, touchdown production from George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. So what they did yesterday was enough to beat the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, it was enough to beat the Colts. It's probably going to be good enough to beat about half the teams left um, on the schedule this year. But I think it's important in this final stretch of games to get something going with the receivers too. And it's not all Kenny Pickett's fault. And it's not all Matt Canada's fault. Two more drops by Deontay yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, George Pickens, he wasn't really targeted. Um, the, the one thing, the one criticism I have of Canada is getting everyone involved. And if you yeah. look at the stat sheet yesterday, a lot of guys had catches. Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, mm -hmm. Derek Watt. I mean, there were like nine or ten guys had, who had catches. But you have to get your most talented receiver more targets than what they gave him. So whether it you know comes at the expense of Derek Watt or Jalen Warren um, or you know anyone else, they got to find a you know get him get get ways to get him more involved. That would be my only critique of Matt Canada yesterday. I thought Matt Canada did a heck of a job yesterday. He's been getting better and better. So I know we've criticized him, ripped on him throughout the season. But um, once they figure out the second halves and once they get better in the red zone, you know, they might have something there. They, they might. And I think it's also important to note the run game was, again, effective. This is, what, five straight games with over 100 yards rushing. Um, Najee Harris, 17 uh, carries, 86 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Benny Snell averaged four yards per carry. Uh, Jalen Warren had one carry for five yards. But you saw them consistently move the ball on the ground, and it really looked, Ray, like that eased up pressure to, yeah. on, on Kenny Pickett. It also opened up a couple jet sweeps and vice versa. Uh, Steven Sims, three carries, 19 yards, had a 10-yard uh, rush around the end and then on uh, one of uh, Derek Watts one run uh, that he had up the middle on the third and one they faked the Jets who were they motioned to kind of be it there and it kind of spread out the defense and opened up the rushing lanes up the middle it really seems like again you don't need this passing offense to throw for 300 yards but if they can just be efficient while the run game is is bruising other other teams defenses that's the key I think to find the balance that they've been looking for all season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's give some props to that offensive line. They, they've gotten so much better um, since the beginning of the season, really since the bye week. Even if you want to go back to that Eagles game, you know, some of that was maybe, you know, manufactured a little bit because that, that was such a lopsided game. But just goes, you know, since the bye week, I, I think those guys are averaging 158 yards per game on the ground in the last five games. It's really good stuff. And um, if you look at the way Najee ran yesterday – that was Najee from his rookie year, right? Stiff arms, yeah, yeah. throwing guys to the ground, pushing that pile forward. Um, even though the, the rushing total, I think he ran more in, ran for more in the Saints game um, and maybe one other game, but I thought that was his best game of the season. Um, just in terms of you know, his demeanor and the way he ran the football, I thought that kind of set the tone for the game. So, um, yeah, that running game has been huge. Um, 
that's that's their identity, right? We spent the first six, eight weeks of the season um, complaining about this offense not having an identity. Finally, they have one. They're winning games. You know, it's not pretty. Um, you know, what the Bill Cowher used to say, it's no Mozart, but they're they're in the win, win column. And, um, right. you know, they're five and seven right now, and they're, you know, they're trying to make things interesting down the stretch here. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's the thing is that, like you said, they're in the win column. They've been able to, they've been able, to, and they're five and seven when they were what three and seven just a few weeks ago. They're you know in the hunt in the real in the playoff race, but I don't think that matters as much when you're looking at just you want this team to build something forward. You want them to show progress, and they're showing that an offensive line without any major investments along it, they're they're playing better. A quarterback who wasn't picked in the top ten. He's playing better. The running back, the people were wondering if he was falling off the falling off the wheel. He's playing better. The defense has gotten TJ Watt back. And even though he's definitely not at 100 percent and we'll get to them in a minute, they've held they've been holding teams under 20 points uh, several times this year. We'll get to that defense in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast, because overall, I think they had a good day. But there was a mixed bag and some concern, especially with the run defense in the second half. We'll talk to Ray and get his opinion in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first. We're going to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. Wouldn't it be nice if the holidays were stress-free? A hot tub, swim spa, or sauna from Valley Pool and Spa will help you feel like it is. Relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa before the snow flies. Refresh and rejuvenate in a Finlayo sauna that's sure to melt your stress away faster than the Frosty in Aruba. You can save big now on all in-stock hot tubs and swim spas at valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato. Ray, let's talk about this defense because this wasn't an elite performance, but it was a good performance. They kept they kept the number four rushing offense in check in the first half. Uh, they you know eventually started to yield a little bit in the second half, but ultimately they gave up one touchdown and held a team to 16 points, and they were able and and they closed the game with a Minka Fitzpatrick uh, interception uh, when yeah. when the Falcons got the ball back with a chance to score. What was your readout on what the Steelers were doing right on defense and then what happened when it was when it was going wrong? Yeah, I mean, really good rush defense in the first half. You know, I'm not sure what Arthur Smith was doing. I, I thought they kind of came out and threw more um, than I expected. I expected them really to look the way they did all game, the, the way they looked in the second half. I'm not, you know, sure why they came out with, with, with the plan that they did, but – um, you know, he figured it out in the second half. The Steelers got worn down. Now, you know, a couple of those long runs, you mentioned TJ not being 100%. He's not. I mean, I there was the one time he dove on the ground. You could tell he hurt his rib again. He had to go running off to the sidelines. Um, a couple of times he got out of his rush lane. He was easily turned out or he, he was easily washed in. And that's how they busted a couple of long runs. So, I mean, Chris, what are you going to do? I mean, Right. Lee had a back injury. I don't think he was 100%. No. Um, 
DeMarvin Leal played, but they use him mostly as a defensive end. I don't remember him getting many snaps as an outside linebacker. They're just they're just really thin at outside linebacker. And I think a 60 to 75% TJ Watt is probably better than you know the guys on the practice squad who would get call-ups. So it's just one of those things you're gonna have to deal with. TJ's had a brutal year with injuries. He had the peck, he's got the knee, now he's got these ribs. I mean, it's just one of those years. He's out there battling. Um, he's, he's giving it his all, but, um, this is not the TJ Watt that we're used to seeing. Well, it's not, I mean, we're seeing him getting blocked one-on-one by tight ends in the run game and getting pushed backwards. That never used to happen, uh, since his rookie season, I I think would even be fair to say. So it's obvious he's not a hundred percent. I will say this Malik Reed didn't have his best game or anything like that. And he wasn't phenomenal, but on the one touchdown run that was called back to Falcons head, he does a great job establishing his his outside shoulder, keeping it free and forcing right. the guy to hold him. And when he gets held, he flitter, he, he throws his hand in the air to draw the call to get the, the referee's attention. I thought that was actually an unsung point of the game yeah. where uh, if he doesn't make that happen, the Falcons score. And who knows? That might have been the game right there. But that penalty pushes the Falcons back, gives the, de- the defense a breather and allows them to hold the Falcons in that spot there and uh, get, keeps the, lets the Steelers keep the lead. Um, I, I thought he hung on there, but I do agree. There's there's some con, there's definitely some concerns there. T.J. Watt's not playing well, and is it playing his best? And I think that when you look at this group, like you said, you know the, what, how how did the Falcons attack them with the run game? They were running wide zone runs, stretch runs, trying to spread it out and saying, "Hey, we're going to force your edges to collapse that side or contain that side." And then even even if they do, we're going to see if we're going to test your gap integrity and cut back inside wherever that is. And if the Steelers can't hold the if the Steelers edges can't hold those spots and stop them from stretching those plays out. That's going to happen, and we've seen teams like the Ravens, who are coming up next, do that to the Steelers over the years. And we're not just yeah. talking about recently. That's been a kind of a, Jim, a John Harbaugh staple for quite some time. Yeah, you saw Larry Ogunjobi play on the other side of the line of scrimmage on a few snaps yesterday. I thought he played pretty well in the run game. But for the most part, Chris, the Falcons were taking it to the Steelers. You know, they there, there was a point in that game there in the second half Every time they, they hand it off, yep. it was a five- or six-yard game. Yep. And they were just pushing the pile. And, you know, were the Steelers tired? Yeah, they were tired, but that's not an excuse. You know, you you, you got to and, and you, you gotta try to, you know, to, to find a way. So that was a little bit discouraging. And you mentioned the Ravens coming to town. Um, you know, we're going to get an update later on today from John Harbaugh or probably tomorrow. Um the whole thing about Lamar Jackson and the knee, but whether he's in there or not, that's a, that's an offense that can run the football and the Steelers are going to be tested again. You look at the rest of their schedule, two against the Ravens, the Browns are on that schedule, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, this run defense is going to be tested. I, mm-hmm. you know, I know they entered that game yesterday, seventh in the league, you know, good for a half, bad for the second half, but that's going to be huge down the stretch if the Steelers are going to continue to make this interesting. Absolutely. I also think it's worthy of note, the defense got some help from its offense in this game. The Steelers won the time of possession. The Steelers only had one three and out in this game. And I I think that allowed that allowed the defense to kind of be able to play, you know, to only have that one that one drive where they were getting bullied around. And then after that, they were able to kind of, you know, to settle it down. They well, they really had two drives. They were bullied around. They were again, the penalty that Malik drew at the end of the one drive held them to a field goal. But I mean, you saw that 
I, I think that if this is the earlier part of the season, this results in a loss because the Steelers offense, when it wasn't efficient, it's the same reason they lost to the Jets, same reason they lost to uh, the Patriots. They, the defense, when they did get tired out, the offense, you'll put them in that situation much earlier in the game. It's just that this came late third, early fourth quarter, and then the offense was able to get them a nine-play, 40-yard drive. Granted, no points, but they took four minutes off the clock and gave the Falcons the ball back on their own one-yard line with less than a minute to play and no timeouts. I, again, I think the offense deserves some credit there. But I want to get to your point about this, about the defense. Is this a good defense right now? Because you look at the points that they've allowed this year, 20 to the Bengals, 17 to the Patriots, uh, you know, they and they and especially since the loss to the Bills, they have 18, they gave they've given up less than 20 points to the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Colts, and the and now the Falcons. But they've given up uh more than more than they gave up third more than 30 to the Bengals, they gave up more than 30 to the Eagles, and more than 30 to, to the Bills. Where do you put this defense if you're trying to say who they are? Are they mediocre? Are they good? They're definitely not great, but where do they fit? in your scale of how they performed. Yeah, I mean, Chris, I think there's probably, what, six to eight really good offenses in the NFL right now. And I think the Steelers' defense wouldn't be able to stand up to any of them, right? You mentioned yeah. all those teams on the schedule so far. I think we all know what would happen if they played the Chiefs, right? Yeah, um, we, we've seen that matchup enough times now. We have. And we uh, luckily for the Steelers, they don't have to relive that this year. Um, unless they miraculously yeah. get into the playoffs, so I guess they're, I guess they're the seventh seed again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and then there's just after that, you know, there's probably 24 teams who are, you know, offensively um, just okay or good. You know, I I thought the Steelers played really well against the Dolphins. I heard I was watching TV yesterday before the game. You know, these commentators saying, oh, the, the 49ers and the Dolphins, uh, a preview, a uh, possible Super Bowl preview. I'm like, okay, well, maybe the 49ers, but when I saw the Dolphins in person, I wasn't really impressed. So, uh, hey, maybe the Steelers, uh, uh, let's give them credit for that win. Or that, you know, that game probably should have been a win. Um, but my point is, there are probably 20 to 24 teams in the NFL that the Steelers can handle. And unfortunately for them this season, we'll see if this changes going into 2023. We'll see what happens. But they're just not good enough to, uh, to you know, to, to go head-to-head with uh, the elite offenses in the NFL. Maybe that's maybe that's not a slight because there's probably a lot of defenses that, that um, you know, uh, get taken to the woodshed. But that's, that's just kind of who they are right now. Is that disappointing, being the $100 million defense and – uh, having playmakers the way they do, yeah, it's disappointing, but that's who they are. I think, certainly think that's who they are right now. We'll get more on the Steelers' future plans right now as, as they enter into the, the last six games of the season. But first, got to talk to guys about Yinzers in the Berg. So, Yinzers, listen up. If you're excited about the Steelers getting their first win streak of the season, you can go get some Steelers uh, uh, some, some Steelers merchandise from Yinzers in the Berg, where they got two legendary stores in the Strip District, plus a growing online store. They also have Penguins, Pirates, uh, Pit Gear, all things Pittsburgh sports you can find at Yinzers in the Berg. So go to Yinzers in the in the Berg. You can find them online at yinzerspgh.com. They don't just got apparel. They've got accessories. They've got so many different options out there. So if you're feeling your, your Pittsburgh fever, whether you're whether you're in the city of Pittsburgh, you can make the trip to the Strip District. Or if you're one of the many Pittsburgh fans who showed up in force in Atlanta, Ray could attest to that. Uh, but if you're one of those fans that wants to rock more Steelers gear, the best place to go, Yinzers in the Berg. Again, go to yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com. 
pitchpitch.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, I want to talk to you about the rest of the Steelers' schedule right now because this was something that you and I talked about that could come to pass with the Steelers if they were able to shape up on offense and defense in the second half of the season. We've now they've now gotten to the part where you know they beat the Saints, uh, they they lost to the Bengals, but they've beaten the Colts and the Falcons. They've won three of their last four, and now you get a Ravens team. Like you said, we don't know the status of Lamar Jackson, but even with Lamar Jackson, they've been shaky lately, and they certainly need to recover. But then after that, they get the Panthers, they get the Raiders, and they get a Browns team that they have Deshaun Watson back. But they're also it'll be interesting to see where they are at that point. Is right. this is there an actual path here to the Steelers getting nine wins this season and getting a winning record, or is that fool's gold at this point? You think this team is going to stumble and fall too many times? Yeah, I mean, Chris, there is a path. I mean, if they end up facing the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, then um, you know I, I could see them winning that game. Um, I could see them beating the Panthers. Uh, now the Raiders are, are, are improving. You'd have to go to the Ravens, the Browns. I mean, I'm thinking more. You know, five games less. I'm think left. I'm thinking three and two would be a good finish, and that only gets you to eight and eight nine. nine. So, yeah. I'll say fool's gold at this point. But uh, cool. keep an eye on Sunday. We'll see if Lamar's out there. Yeah, because again, I think that plays a huge factor in this. They've swept the Ravens for two straight years, I believe yeah. now, which is yeah. weird for this rivalry. And I know that Lamar Jackson's missed two games in that stretch, but still, even when backup quarterbacks have been in play, either of these franchises have found a way to fight back at some point. That's part of why I just I have a hard time seeing the Steelers pull off a sweep this year. It just it doesn't happen for the Ravens and the Steelers rivalry for one team to sweep the other for three straight seasons. They're going to drop one. And like you said. The Raiders team is playing better. Josh Jacobs had 300 yards the other week. I haven't looked at their performance against the Chargers and how they won that game, but that team has gotten better. Devontae Adams, I did see that got two touchdowns because he saved one of my fantasy football teams. Thank you, Devontae. Uh, but uh, but in all seriousness, that team's getting better, and it's just – it's again, I can – if DeMar doesn't play, I can see them beating the Baltimore this weekend and, ride, and riding that high, and the Panthers – they don't even know who they are. They just got rid of Baker Mayfield. But, yeah, those last three games, the Raiders at Baltimore with the prospect of playing a healthy Lamar Jackson and then getting the Browns again, that's going to be very interesting to see how they play. But I do think if the defense can play around the level that it is, none of these offenses are terrifying. You know, they, they're they talented. They can get you on a, if they're on a good day. But the Raiders have been inconsistent, even though they've been playing better. The Panthers are terrible. The Ravens they've been inconsistent of late. I do think there's that there's a chance for the Steelers to be in all of these games. The question though, can they finish enough of them yeah. to, to win enough of them? I think in the end, eight and nine is a really strong possibility. And I think mm. the Steelers will look back and they'll kick themselves for that Jets game. Yep. Um, the Dolphins game, Dolphins game, mm-hmm. Patriots game, Patriots game. Um, some very winnable games and people it's been brought up to me. Well, did they make the right decision by just not giving the keys to Kenny Pickett right away? Um, You could make that argument, Chris, but that was a really tough 
early schedule too. And I think it was not exposing a rookie to that and maybe shattering his confidence. I'm, I'm still okay with that. So, I mean, in the end, uh, I think that's what it's going to be. I think they'll be eight and nine. And uh, you know, if they finish, they finish three and two down the stretch, that'll be what winning, you know, six year final nine or whatever that, what that is since the buy, that's something to build off. Um, you know, heading into 2023, I think if they do that, even if they do miss the playoffs, you know, I think that'll be a positive for for Mike Tomlin and his uh, you know team development. What are you looking for from Kenny Pickett in these final weeks? And I guess on top of that, what have you seen? From, what is the what do you think has been the best thing about him in the last few games that is he, he hasn't thrown an interception since the Eagles game before yeah. the bye? Well, that goes without saying. Protecting the football was an issue in the first half for him. He's been really good. Um, we talked about the Connor Hayward touchdown, attacking the middle of the field. I thought that was really good. Um, he mm-hmm. put that ball on the money, um, and he missed Fryermuth on a very similar route earlier in that game. So that was huge. He's been able to bounce back and hit some of these throws that he misses earlier in game. So, I mean, what I'm looking for, I mean, I can kind of picture what Kenny Pickett is going to be down the road. You know, I think he's going to be a guy who is going to throw for a high completion percentage, um, once he figures it out, you know, I think he's going to be able to throw for more than 200 yards a game. But, you know, if he just keeps doing what he's doing now, don't turn the ball over. Give yourself, give your team a chance to win every game. I think that would be progress. And I think in going into the offseason, Chris, you'll see them build on that. You'll see them um, add the explosive plays at some point. I don't know if it's going to come this season. You'll see those young receivers develop along with him. The young tight ends develop along with him. Um, play action off the improved running game, you know, I think is something we could see in the second half of the season. So I, I, I think it's all positive. I just don't know if you're going to see the culmination, the finished product, what everyone wants, um, you know, until further down the road, probably not this season. Yeah, I think it, it, that's still far off. I think right, right now you need, like you were saying, Smarter play from Kenny Pickett, working with the tools that he has and has in building that connection. You brought up Connor Hayward and the connection they appeared to have in training camp. You know, if he developed into a, a nice secondary receiving option for the Steelers, I don't think anybody would complain about another tight end there uh, working out for the Steelers. And we, we see the, the connection he's developing with Pat Fryermuth. And if he can just get on, on the same page with any, either of the Steelers' top two receivers, I think that that would go, go a long ways to what they're building on offense. But with the increase, increasing run game performances, with the better things that we've seen from the offensive line, maybe they're finding the identity and the force that they need to be next year when they invest, where they're probably going to invest more into building this group. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I'm, hey I always look forward to Steelers games, but I doubly look forward to Steelers-Ravens game. That should be a fun one. Sunday at Akershore, Chris. Absolutely. We'll have more on that this Wednesday episode on the North Shore Drive podcast and the Friday episode where we preview it with Brian Batko. Thanks so much to Ray for joining us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. He's Ray Fittipato. I'm Chris Carter. We were both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, breaking things down on all Pittsburgh sports right here on the show. Back Wednesday with more on all things Pittsburgh. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. 